Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Well, hey, everybody. How's it going, Andrew? It's going good, man. Oh, man. I'm excited. It's episode number three. Moving along here. Three in one week already. How about that? Yeah, it's it's good. Happy birthday. I know your birthday is today, so. Yeah. Yeah, today is my birthday, and it's... I had a good night with my wife and kit and daughter. We went and had some Wingstop, which is one of my favorite places to eat. How do you like Wingstop, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not not the biggest fan. We have an inside joke for those who don't know, but yeah, it's. I'm glad it made you happy, though. It made me very happy, and it was tasty. And my daughter had her first bite of um, fried chicken wing before tonight, so oh, nice. that was a special moment. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So. The other thing I was going to bring up, you know, this is episode number three. We've been recording for almost a week now, and I haven't even mentioned the biggest piece of news for this last week that something that makes all baseball fans rejoice, and it's four words, pitchers and catchers report. Last Thursday, pitchers and catchers reported, and we haven't mentioned it, and we're a baseball podcast. What's (laughs) up with that? Yeah, it's... It's kind of slow starting out, probably why, but yeah, it's uh, it's about to get going here pretty soon. I think there's games this weekend, so should yeah, be, should be good. Yeah, the Mariners in Seattle, the reason all of this is starting earlier, they, they play over, where are they playing at? I don't even know or remember. Well, the are opening, they playing in Japan? That's the opening series in like a month. You know, Yeah, is sure. that in Japan? Yeah, yeah, it's in Japan. Okay, so because of that, they're getting started early, so we're getting a little baseball early, but that said, all the teams still start up on Saturday, so we're going to get a look at box scores and swings and all that good stuff here this week, so that's exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, before we get started, I do want to do some housekeeping, and we just crossed our 1,000th member on Baseball 365 on Facebook, so if you've not joined that group yet, I highly recommend you do so. We have great conversations there every day. If you want to ask questions about your fantasy team, or if you just want to get in the discussions on the group, there's a lot of good discussions going there every day. So finally, our Twitter account, Baseball365Pod, every time we upload a show from the podcast, it automatically goes to Twitter and you guys are alerted. Follow us there too. Today on the show, we're going to talk about second base ranks, and we're going to mix Dynasty in there. Ready to get started, Andrew? Yep, sounds good. Okay. So, once again, we put it out on the Facebook group, questions for the second base ranks, and we have received a bunch of good ones, and we'll mix them in as we go. Our first guy leading off the ranks, Jose Altuve, pick 14 in NFBC ranks right now. Jose had kneecap surgery in the offseason, and doctors said he would be 120% by spring training. Let me ask you this. Over or under 60 stolen bases this year for Jose? <laughs> well, one of my dynasty teams hopes it's the over, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I would take that. Altuve is going right there at that wheel. And would you take him there? Uh, I think it's about the right spot. Yeah, I'm kind of neutral on it overall. I'd probably... I think I would right now in a redraft be more likely not to than to do it. 
but I think it's fine. It's it's about the right spot. I mean, he's an he's an awesome hitter. Obviously, I just there's a little bit of questions with the knee as far as how many steals. That's kind of driven his value a little bit, and those those could dip a little, you know. But uh, overall, I still like him. I mean, he's he's a special hitter. There's not a lot of guys that can hit like he can. So now you know what's crazy. Looking at his 2016 specifically, the guy had a 9.8% K rate. And his walk rate was 8.4%. <laughs> you yeah. just don't see that in today's game. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, it is. You know, in those previous two years before last year, he was he hit 24 home runs and he had 30 steals one year and 32 the next. That's just incredible numbers. And last year it did fall down as he was dealing with that knee injury and getting through it. I think I would take him near that wheel. The more I thought about it, we talked last episode about Paul Goldschmidt and how I'm not sure I would take him there going back. I think I would take Altuve right around that spot and feel a lot better about it. While I wouldn't be projecting 24, 20 home runs and 30 steals, I still think 15 to 20 home runs and 20 steals is very doable with a elite-level batting average and counting stats to go with it. So I think I would go with him there. Tim Scott Weber on the Facebook page did ask the question, if we thought Altuve would hit 20 home runs in 2019. So this was discussed on the Prospect 361 podcast, and they made a stick and liquor bet on it. Which side would you lean on, over or under? I am going to say it's a push. He hits exactly 20. <laughs> yeah. It I, feels think it's like about, it's, I mean, I think it's about right. I think the number's pretty much right on the nose. I think it's right there in that range, too. If I was having to pick side, I'd go over, but I'm barely over. If I was in a Powerball trying to guess how many home runs he was going to hit, I'd say 21 or 22, but yeah, it's close. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm actually with you. I, I think, gun to my head, I'd take the over, but the projection systems mostly have them 17 to 19, so yeah, it's all right there. I think 20 is like exactly right. Okay. Well, number two is going right there on the wheel also, except on the other side of the wheel. They're only a pick apart, really. Javi Baez with the Cubs. His average draft position right now is 15.94. And this one's an interesting one because a year ago right now, I remember Joe Madden at the beginning of spring training saying Baez's playing time is not going to be consistent unless he starts walking more. And... What's funny is his walk rate in 2017 was 5.9%. His walk rate in 2018 was 4.5%. But he absolutely blew up last year. 34 home runs, 21 stolen bases, 101 runs, and 111 RBI. That's an incredible year. That's, I mean, that, that's a top five pick uh, in, a, in a normal redraft league. But he's going all the way down here in 15. Would you think that that's a discount, or do you think there's a reason why he's down here? No, I don't. I don't think it's a discount. I, I think it's. I think it's way too high. I love Baez. I love my Cubs, but this is just too high. It's. It's too much of buying what happened last year. I mean, just to throw a few things out: eighteen point two percent swinging strike rate, swung and missed second most in the major leagues behind Joey Gallo. 347 BABIP, which is a little high. His hard contact was percentage was lower than Keto Marte's. A 57.7% swing percentage, which is also second in Major League Baseball. Basically, he, he just swings at everything. I just can't get behind it. I think last year is 
goes down as his career year. And I know it's kind of awkward to say because he's still young and kind of like in that stage where he's entering his prime, you would think. But if the season played out a hundred times, I think last year is one of the absolute best case scenarios. I just, I just don't think it's getting any better than that. And I think that there's a very good chance that it gets worse to significantly worse. I, I want nothing to do with him at 15 overall in a redraft. No thanks. Some Cubs fan you are. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, that just shows you're not biased right there. Over or under 50 home runs plus stolen bases in 2019. Let's see, he had 55 last year. I would say under. Yeah, I would say under. I think probably Steamer has 46. I would say lower than that even. I would probably say... Yeah, 42 to 45, maybe somewhere in there. I think it's under 50, though. I think it's possible he comes close to what he did this last year. That said, he's on my do not touch list. As Benny Jimmy James on the Facebook page said that there should be a new section call of this podcast called Not My Guy, because apparently I say that a lot. Javi Baez definitely fits on the Not My Guy segment. <laughs> Um, yeah, one thing. One thing I will touch on with with profiles like Baez, I feel like they're very volatile. Like they're gonna go. There's gonna be extreme highs and extreme lows. It kind of it's kind of like how Carlos Gomez was back back in the day. Um, I mean, at his peak, he was a first round pick. But I just feel like with guys like that, you you don't want to buy them at their extreme high. You want to buy them when they're down. And when he lets you down. Maybe you want to buy back in, but now just isn't the time to buy in. It's just, it's too early. It's just wait till he at least shows some, you know, goes through a slump. Cause when you swing and miss that much, you're going to go through a slump. It's just inevitable. I mean, the Carlos Gomez comp, I've heard that a bunch of times and I think it's accurate here. And Gomez did have a few years where he was an elite player, but oh, it, yeah. when it went, it went quick yeah. and it does feel like bias could be very similar. I think it could be a few years of solid production, maybe not quite to the 2018 level, maybe, but it could go quick in a few years as the elite bat speed eventually slows down to maybe being really good bat speed. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying he's exactly Gomez or anything like that, but I just think that with profiles like this, you just don't you don't want to buy them when they've peaked and he's peaked. I mean, if he's an MVP candidate again next year, I'll be as happy as anybody, believe me, but I'll be surprised too. One theme you'll definitely notice from me, and I think both of us, is if a guy doesn't walk much, that's one of the things that scares me more than anything. And I think you can say the same. And <laughs> as we get the shortstop and second base rankings here, as we keep going, you might hear that a few more times as we go over players. Yeah. Next up, number three on the rankings at 32, Whit Merrifield. Whit came out of nowhere in 2017 to win people leagues with 19 home runs and 34 steals. And he followed it up with an equally impressive campaign in 2018 with 12 home runs and 45 steals leading the major leagues. It was a real impressive year that actually landed him a four-year contract extension last month. But the one thing is with the Royals, the counting stats have not been good. He had 148 runs plus RBIs despite all of those stats. So, I personally am afraid of the of taking him quite as early as he's gotten. I do understand the 
home runs and stolen base totals are real nice, but 148, 140, something like that, uh, home runs plus RBI, that's not good to get out of your third base slot. So I'm starting to worry about the price on where he's going to. What say you, Andrew? I like I like him here. I um in a in a redraft league, I can definitely get behind it. Mostly because this is a unique skill set right here. There's not a lot of guys that do that, like to do what Witt does. He hits, he gets on base, and he steals a ton of bases. He led the league in steals, 34 and 45 last two years. There's a little bit of pop. He's not a zero in power. I mean, he's going to hit probably 10 to 15 homers. He hit 19 the year before last. Yeah, I, I can definitely get behind him. I haven't gotten him in a redraft. I do have him in a dynasty league. Uh, I'm not quite as big on him long term. I think kind of once it starts, he, he's been getting better like every year. He's been getting incrementally mm-hmm. better. But I, I do kind of feel like with this guy that there will come a point where it just falls off. It could be quick, but he is getting better. And yeah, in a redraft one year league, you got to draft steals. And I think he's I think he's a good option here. I, I like him. You said you don't. You're a little more worried long term in a dynasty. So let me turn this into a baseball question. The Royals just re-signed him to a four-year deal. Shouldn't they be f- trying to put him out there any moment and trying to see what they could get for him and see if they can get an, uh, an Adam Eaton kind of return that the White Sox got a few years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I don't I don't really mean that I'm worried about him. I just feel like with a guy like this he's 30 years old it was a late breakout I mean we all can kind of admit that he's better than anyone ever imagined it's just it's kind of been out of nowhere and you know beyond 30 those steals start going it's it could it could disappoint you at some point but the thing is is if you're competing in the league that you own him it's hard to move him because of what he does it's almost kind of like Trey Turner light in a way a little bit. I mean, it's just, there's not a lot of guys that do that. So it's tough. If I wasn't, if I owned him in a, I will say this, if I owned him in a dynasty league and I wasn't competing soon, I would move him right now. That's funny. I actually took him in a dynasty startup here this last week. And we're going to talk about both of those drafts here in the future. We're going to try to talk because Andrew's also in a dynasty startup that's going on right now. And once we get both of them done, we're going to recap them. I took him just because I thought he fell too far and I'm not, I drafted a young team to where I expect to flip him here in the next some, at some point this year made it pretty known. I think I already put him on the block before the draft was even over. And it's not that I don't like the player. I actually do like the player, but I just thought teams are going to be looking for steals, especially those teams that are in, in the race at the end of the year. That's the number one thing. It seems most of them are looking for stolen bases. So he should be a real nice trade piece. Last year, I think I saw him in a dynasty league get traded, I think almost straight up for Charlie Blackman, which is, that just shows just how much value he owns. He's one of those guys too, Wit. He, he's hard to replace. So that makes yep. him valuable. I mean, that, that alone right there, it just, it makes him valuable. All right. Well, number four, we're moving down 30 slots before we get to our fourth ranked second baseman. And that would be Ozzy Albies with the Braves at 62. Ozzy was one of the stars of the first half. He had 20 home runs and nine steals before the All-Star break. It seemed like he was going to be a fantasy baseball MVP. 
And in the second half, it was brutal. Four home runs, five steals, 228 batting average in 64 games. It was so bad that he was moved from, he was hitting in the one, two slot in the lineup. And there at the end of the year, I think he was hitting something like fifth or sixth. They just were in a race and decided his OBP, it wasn't helping them enough to keep him in the lineup. And he was moved down. So Daniel Mock on the Facebook page asked, where's Ozzy Albies going to hit in the lineup and will it affect his steals? What do you think? I think they have him slated to hit fifth at the moment. That's what they have on roster resource. As far as it affecting his steals, I I don't think it'll affect his steals regardless. This is one of those players. He's young. He's one of their cornerstone players. I don't feel like where he hits in the lineup right now, like even if he opens the season, let's say hitting five, six, whatever, I feel like it's it's temporary. I just I think he's going to get back to the top. He's been young for every level. He was 21 all year last year. And we're sitting here worried about a guy that just went 24 and 14 steals and scored 105 runs at age 21 in the majors. Like the guy is he's awesome. It was a tough second half, but I fully expect him to get back on track. And I actually think that the steals are going to come up a little bit. Power may go down a little bit, but that's almost kind of the skill set that you want these days. Yeah, I, I love Albies. You know that. We've talked about him a lot. I mean, this is one of the guys that we we talk a lot about. Steamer has him projected for 19 home runs and 16 steals. In all honesty, I'm taking the under on that 19 home runs. If it was me, I'm I'm going into next year thinking 12 to 15 and anything more is a bonus. Maybe he does get back up to that 20 range. It just felt like when he was jacking all those home runs, it's like, where is this coming from? And then it went away. And I wonder if this is going to be one of the, the home run season. That's the outlier with him. But on that same note, I was expecting and hoping for 30 steals out of him. And to get that 14, that was a real surprise to me. It wasn't getting caught much. I'm looking it up now. He was caught only four three. times out of three, three times. times. Yeah, three times. So it's not like he doesn't have a successful rate. And he's one of the most exciting players to watch in the league. I love watching him play, especially when he hits a ball and he's in the gap and he's running. He's just exciting to watch run around those base paths. I don't know. Yeah. It's gonna. I think he's one of the most interesting people to watch going into this year because it was a tale of two halves for him. I'm going to be curious to see which, which way it goes next year. Yeah, I uh, I would take the over on his steel projection of 16. I would take the over on that. Wouldn't I think surprise me at all. I think the steals are coming back. He had 29 the year before, 30 the year before, 29 the year before that. Yeah, I I think that was the outlier, but I guess we'll see. Do you want to talk about our trade? Yes, that's what I was just about to lead into. Andrew and I actually made a dynasty trade involving Albies just two weeks ago. Andrew put Alex Reyes on the block, and me, I've we're going to talk about Reyes when we get to pitchers, but I'm a big Reyes fan. And we've talked Reyes a couple times during the offseason, but we finally found a deal that we both were pretty happy with. I ended up giving up Ozzy Albies and a draft pick, a, a second-round draft pick in the sub-draft, and I was able to get Alex Reyes Carter Keyboom and a third round draft pick in that sub draft. So 
I think this is a fascinating deal that I personally could still see going either way. But why don't you start it off? What was your thought process? Well, I like Albies for starters. I, I think Albies is a star, like in the future. Yeah, you know, I just there's something about the guy. I know this kind of sounds corny and cheap, but when I watch him, I just see a star. Like there's some people that are just like that, and I just think he's a star. I think he's on his way up. He's obviously really young. The other side of it, too, I've always kind of viewed Alex Reyes as a trade chip, and we'll get more into Reyes as we get when we get to the pitchers, but his value is just so high. I just I kind of was ready to do to do it for something that I coveted, you know, and in this particular league, I'm kind of in my contention window and second base was one of my weaker spots. So that was a lot of the reason why I did it. I, I still do like Reyes, but. I feel like I got a lot of value out of him doing the trade that we did. So I think it was good yeah. for you. I think it was good for you too, honestly. I think it was a good trade all around. Yeah, I was thrilled to get it because I've got a lot of young hitting and I am looking to grab some pitching, stockpile some young pitchers as my team. Hopefully, I'm not really looking to, I don't think I'm going to compete this year. I think I could start making noise. That's the word I keep using in 2020. And Keyboom kind of fits in that window of coming up around then, too. And he'll be a nice piece either to be in the middle infield or maybe at a corner, just depending on. I wonder if if Anthony Rendon, if he walks, if Keyboom's over there at third or if they put him at second. But my hope is Keyboom can be 75% of what people think Albies is. And if so, then I'll take that trade to get Alex Reyes, who... Again, we'll come to later, but I saw him in a minor league game last summer and fell in love with him. So here's hoping for health, and we'll see what happens with it. We'll move on to number five, Glaber Torres, who's also going right there at 62.85, almost identical to Ozzy Albies. He had a really nice rookie season coming up with 24 home runs, six steals, and a 271 batting average. Does he take a step forward in 2019? I think he can, yeah. I think he's a good hitter. He's kind of a sum of the parts guy. Like, you know, he's just kind of good at everything. Not great at any one particular thing, maybe, but good at everything. He's really young again, just like Albies just turned 22. I read uh, on a well-respected site, I read he's Javier Baez with less steals and more walks. I thought that was kind of interesting because he kind Mm -hmm. of is in a way. Just to show you how young he is, he's two weeks younger than Eloy Jimenez. So that's what you're dealing with, and a guy that came up and pretty much mashed. So I like him. I, I wouldn't say I love him here in redraft. I, I think he's a good pick in dynasty. Redraft, I'm just kind of okay with it. I like Albies a little more. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, given they're pretty much going at the same slot, which one you'd prefer. and. I'm with you. I think I'd take Albies more just for the steals. Yeah. Because the home yeah. the home runs could be real close. And yeah. For what it's worth, he he was a little bit better of a hitter than than Albies last year, just across the board. But yeah, I think I'm with you. Just just on the steals potential alone, I, I think at least for this season, I would take Albies. Going depending on this year, we'll see. I I could change my mind in a year, but for this year I would take Albies. Yeah, and in Albie's defense, he's puts the ball in play a lot better than Glaber does. Twenty five percent K rate last year, and you know it was his rookie year. That that's something that can improve. 
definitely over time. Ozzy Albies in his first full season had a 17% K rate, which is just incredible for a rookie that hits the ball as hard as he does. So, all right. Number six, Jonathan VR, the man who two years ago was going in the second round after the previous year had a 19 home run and 62 steals. He sucked people in. And in 2017, he played himself out of a job. And then we get back to last year. And all of a sudden, he resurfaces again. Now we're into 2019. This is a guy who, unfortunately, I took the cheese two years ago on this guy. <laughs> he was going in the second and third round, and I'm sitting there looking at that 19 home runs, 62 steals. I'm thinking, gosh, he walked at an 11% rate and got his K rate down to 25. Even if he, even if his strikeouts, he's striking out a lot. He's a fast guy who hits the ball hard and 11% K rate. He's going to keep that up, and he can hit 240 and still be an incredibly valuable player. Well, he went out in the first half and hit like 210 and with a 280 on base percentage and played himself out of a job, and I was burned horribly to where this is one that I – it's going to be – I don't know how long it's going to take for me to get over with him, but last year – he played for the Brewers and then was traded to the Orioles, and now he's going to be an Oriole full-time. There's playing time for him. And just last year, at 515 at-bats, he had 14 home runs and 35 steals. And he's all the go at 71. That makes him a end of the fifth round in a 15-team league. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That's kind of what I'm feeling here. You know, if he was going a few rounds later... 8th to 10th round, maybe I'd feel okay taking that chance. But the 5th round, I don't think I got the stones to go there. And once again, Benny, for you, I don't think this is one of my guys. What about you, Andrew? Is this a guy you'd be taking? I took him in DH7. I think it was pick 78. So it was a little later than this. It was the early in the 6th. And yeah, I... I tell you what, when I start when we started this with Altuve and Baez, I was kind of just so-so on Altuve and out on Baez. But a lot of it is because all these guys we've named since, I can get behind drafting. And even some that we haven't even mentioned yet. I kind of like this position, like where the guys are going. That's the thing with VR is I get that there's flaws, like totally get it. But again, this is a guy that has league leading stolen base upside and you're getting him after pick 70 it's last five seasons between majors and minors 41 steals 42 62 23 i think he might have been out for part of that year and 36 on the bench that's where he was part yeah, of that year well, on right, the right. bench <laughs> and that's the thing though is in baltimore he's not going to the bench i just i, I don't see it i mean it I guess anything can happen, but on Baltimore, they're going to they're gonna go. They're going to let him play. They're going to let him run. I kind of do like him. I get the, the worry, though. I think a lot of the people who don't like him are just the ones that got burned by him. I, I've heard it multiple times from other people, too. But, yeah, I can get behind him here. I think it's a smidge high, maybe, but I can get behind it just because of the, of the skill set. It's, it's unique. Again, it's, it's one of those things that – there's only only so many guys that can potentially lead the league in steals, and he's one of them. You know, it's about 20 to 30 picks too high for me, I think, before I'd consider him. 
Steve Trapani, I know you're listening. There you go. I tried. I tried not. I tried talking Andrew out of it, but sounds like he's sold. And, well, that's your that's your hill to die on. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. Number seven, Daniel Murphy, who's now a Colorado Rocky. He's going right there, just ten picks after VR at pick eighty. Which again, we're talking the middle of the sixth round. He came back from knee, a knee injury, and he started slow coming back, but he finished real strong. And now he's in Colorado. In a what you can't be in a better situation to hit than Colorado, especially because Murphy's over thirty, which means the Rockies love players over thirty. What do you think, Andrew? Is this a guy who, you know, second base is a position where they can get old and decline real quick. Now, he is moving to first base, they're saying, but he's got a lot of years on him at second base. Are you worried at all about his age? Yeah, I'm worried about it a little bit, but this is a guy that's been trending up so fast. It's almost even hard to kind of put a finger on exactly where he's going in drafts. It started so like his min pick on NFBC. So min pick is the earliest he's gone. Max pick is the latest 52 to 161 on draft champs. So it's, it's one of those it's trending up. I know that the 161 was obviously before he went to Colorado. Another guy, I kind of like him here. You know, he can hit, obviously he's a proven professional hitter and he's in the best ball, the best hitters ballpark in the league. So the counting stats will be there. You know if he's healthy, he's going to hit at the top of the lineup. Slated to hit into between Blackman and Arenado. I mean, that's counting stats galore. So if he's healthy, yeah, he should be awesome. It's just a matter of staying on the field. First base should help that, you would think. So, Man, I didn't realize he hit 347 in the year 2016. And then he hit 322 the year after that and last year, despite starting he was around the Mendoza line for the first couple weeks or a month after coming back from that injury, and he still finished at 299. Yeah. Now he's going to play half his games at Colorado, which is great because of the, the just the hitting environment there. This guy could lead the league in batting average this year. It's, yep. I don't know how many people you would project to hit for a higher average than him going into this year with, you know, the guy can hit 20-plus home runs and incredible counting stats if he can stay healthy. And he's going to first base, which should protect his body a little more. Yeah, I, and the, I think the, I'm with you. The thing is, too, is you know with a guy like Daniel Murphy that's just a professional hitter like that, when he's in the lineup, he's going to be in the heart of the line, like in the thick of the lineup. And in Colorado, that just oozes counting stats. It just oozes. You know, it's... It's going to be tons of runs and ribbies, and he's just going to pile them up as long as he's out there. That's To me, that's the biggest question is can he just stay healthy? But, again, first base as opposed to playing in the fields, you know, or second base, I'm sorry, in the field. I was looking at his projected – you know what? I just pulled this up. Projected batting average. He's projected to lead the league. No, am lo- really? Am I looking at this right? Yeah. 307. Steamer projection. That's the highest in the league, huh? That's the highest on a steamer projection, yeah. 307. So that just kind of goes to show you. I would almost take the over on that. Yeah, I think I would too. Going yeah. into that hitting environment, and yeah, I don't think of too many hitters 
in the National League that I would project to be in that range. Joey Votto is the only one like right off the bat that comes to mind. Yeah, they're they're naturally going to be conservative with numbers, and I'm probably mm-hmm. not. But yeah, that's it. Just gives you an idea. I mean, all right, number eight is a guy who I wasn't even going to talk about because I thought he was going to be playing third base for the Brewers, and that's Travis Shaw. But then Mike Moustakas signed over the weekend with the Brewers. So now it looks like Shaw might be getting back at second base. So I'm going to ask the question that Brendan Craig asked over the weekend, which is how will the Brewers Keystone break down this year and who gets the most at bats? Are you thinking that the the most at bats is going to be Travis Shaw? Well, right now, oddly, they actually have Moustakas listed at second on roster resource, which is weird. No. Yeah. Yeah, they have Moustakas listed at second. I, I think it's it's goofy, but um, possibly, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's Keston coming. So mm-hmm. That's the that, part that doesn't make any sense with this signing. I get, I get yeah. that they got Moustakas for a good price, but Keston Hero looks like he only – he looks like he's ready now to where he could come up in the middle of April, but people were thinking by May or June he's going to be up, and now he's kind of blocked. Yeah, he is a little bit more than he was anyways, but yeah, Shaw for me, it's weird. It's so weird to think of him with this group. It's like I I don't think of him as a second baseman, you know, so it's so strange. I mean, (laughs) he's not a bad hitter. He does seem like the type of guy that has been kind of keeps getting better a little bit. He's been pretty good, but as far as how all that shakes down, I mean, takes a lot of walks. He cut his K percentage last year. As far as how all that shakes down, I don't know exactly. I'm sure with one, if they have one big injury, they're going to go right to Keston. But it could be a little bit too. I mean, the the thing with them is they are competing, so mm-hmm. their best player, their best players are going to play. They're a good team. So the way Shaw played, he might be a better oh, player. Right. Yeah, because sure. like you said, he, his walk rate jumped up, and it's gone up the last th- four years in a row. It was. Seven point three percent in twenty fifteen. It got up to eight percent, eight point one in twenty sixteen, nine point nine in twenty seventeen, and last year it was thirteen point three percent. When you do that along with your K rate that's dropped down the last three years in a row and got down to eighteen percent, you know you look at his two forty one batting average, and some people might think, "Ooh, he regressed in the batting average department," but his underlying stats were all great and improved, and that. 241 batting average came with a 242 BABIP compared to the previous three years of 304, 299, and 312. So that batting average could get right back up to 270, 280 if he's able to keep his K rate at 18%. Let's see, I'm looking now. Steamer even has him projected for 249. I think that's something I'd be taking the over on personally. The nice thing with him is he's a good power source. And you can play him at second or third, which means you obviously can use him, you know, corner, middle, infield, both, which is big because that flexibility kind of allows you to play around with your lineup. I think he had the second most homers of all second basemen to Javi Baez. I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It lets, it lets you, you know, you can kind of work your lineup around how you want it. You know, if you want more speed, you might put him at corner infield, or if you want more power, you might put him at middle, but 
he's a, you know, he's flexible guy. And for the Brewers, he kind of is too, because he can play third base, second base, or first base in real life. Mm-hmm. So it helps them too. It's not a guy that I typically get, but I, I understand it. You know, he's, he's fine. Yeah. I don't think I've ever drafted. I haven't drafted him in the last few years, but I also would. I think you brought up a real good point about the second base, third base. He's going here at the end of the seventh round. And at that point, you may not have a second base or third baseman on your roster. And if you take someone like him, the added bonus that a guy like that gives you is when you're looking around a few rounds later to maybe take the other position, you can draft from either one, which means you can draft the best player from two positions, which doesn't really hamstring you to where you maybe you see a bunch of second basemen going and you just missed out on a tier of them and you're like i don't really want any of these guys but there are three third basemen out there that are all real solid you can take a third baseman and plug them at second or vice versa so it's a handy thing to have yeah it is for sure and I, i don't think a lot of people pay attention to that with him they just see travis shaw and they have their opinion already you know so Next, we go to the wasteland of Seattle for a guy who's trending in the wrong direction. Just three picks after Travis Shaw is D. Gordon at 104, seventh round, pick 14. His skills crashed in 2019, and he walked at a 1.5% clip last year. So his his strikeout rate was still only 13%. Is this a guy who you could see a bounce back from? Maybe a buy low here? No, no, I'm I'm done with D Gordon. I get like you know the steals and everything, but God, this guy this guy is just getting worse and worse. I feel like going back to what I said with Posey on the Catcher podcast. Like people are kind of holding on to the name. His his walk rate was, I want to say I looked it up a while back. I think I posted something like the third worst in the last hundred years or something. It was, it's crazy. He doesn't, he's just not, not that good anymore. He's not really even, he didn't even hit for average last year. He doesn't hit the ball obviously with any authority. He's on a bad team. Now he's slated to hit ninth because they've got Malik's. So he's at the bottom. I mean, I, I, I don't like putting too much into lineup projections because all it takes is one little thing and he could be hitting at the top, but it's just a bunch of uh, it, it, all it is is steals. I feel like at this point, and yeah, just I just think everything else is so empty. I, I'm not a fan. I'm pretty much done with him. It'd be one thing if, like, in 2017, he stole 60 bases in a half season. The year before, he stole 30, 58. The year before, his steals were down to 30. For comparison's sake, the year before when he stole 60, he had only he had 16 caught stealings. He in 2018 had 30 steals and he was caught 12 times so the success rate was dropping too and it's a good point in terms of if he's moving down to the bottom of the lineup in a bad team his run scored in rbis his rbi has never been good but his run scores could really go down too to where you're talking billy hamilton stats from a few years ago except half the steals I'm looking. So the year before last, when he was in Miami, he was a 3.6 win player. That was his war. Last year, he was a zero win player. It's just a huge decline. And for a guy that age, you know, he's he'll be 31 soon. Not that that's old, but 
some of those guys that rely on their wheels, it, when it hits them, it hits them hard. And I, I think that's what's happening with this guy. I still could see him getting 30 to 40 steals, so I guess there's some value there. But I just think that the the home run and the ribbies obviously won't will be nothing. And I don't really expect the average or runs to be great. That's kind of what carried him in the past. When D. Gordon was D. Gordon, he was hitting 300 and he was scoring a lot of runs. I don't think he's going to do that anymore. It just makes him a lot less appealing. Man, I loved D. Gordon four or five years ago. And I get trashed by a few of my friends because of he, the fact that he didn't walk much, but he put the bat on the ball. Got on base, yeah. stole a bunch of bags, scored runs. He was fun to own. And oh, he yeah. won me leagues. But yeah, he yeah. Had, what's he got? Three three steals or three seasons with uh you know fifty-eight, sixty, and sixty-four steals. I mean, he he's definitely as a burner in his time. It's just gotta get on base and man, it's just it's declining. Next up's a guy who Again, came out of nowhere in 2017, had a breakout season, and it carried over 2018. And that'd be Scooter Gannett with the Cincinnati Reds, 107.09 is his ADP on NFBC. So we're talking he's going in the top of the eighth round. Is this the new Scooter to where he's a guy who's going to be hitting 300 with 20-plus home runs? Because that is not the guy he was beforehand. What do you think on this one? I'm convinced now. The yeah. It's kind of one of those deals to where last year, all right, I got to see it again. And he came out, and he was even better last year in terms of his strikeout rate dropped. His walk rate was about the same. He's putting the ball in play. He hit and he improved. His betting average improved. Yeah, he, he hit a few less home runs. Actually, it's funny now that I think about it. In 2017, with those 27 home runs, I remember him hitting four in one game against my Cardinals. So just remove that and he hit the 23. But I'm now convinced that this is a solid player who's going right about the point where he should, which is right here in the Robinson Cano range. Actually, 20 picks in front of Cano. We'll get to Cano here in a bit, but I think that's about the right spot for him personally. It's kind of a guy for me that I don't typically get. It's fine. It's not bad. He's proven to be solid for a couple of years in a row. It's it's just the whole thing's so weird to me. I, I can't believe that he's doing what he's doing, but he's doing it, so I'll give him his credit for that. It's just it's not a guy I typically draft. I'd probably if I was at this stage and I, I needed second, I would uh probably wait here. That I agree with. I've yet to take him in a mock or a real draft. Yeah, it's like he's the- it's like he's behind the top guys that I would be interested in, you know, like the guys from Wit on down to about Murphy. And then if I miss out on those guys, I would probably just wait till this next uh, group coming up. But it doesn't mean he's bad or anything. He's fine. Okay. Well, and I'm going to move on to Robinson Cano at number 11 with 127. And the reason is when you look at Gannett and you look at Cano here, I honestly don't see too big of a difference between them, so why not wait and try taking Cano 20 picks later? Robinson Cano is now 36. He's still got the most beautiful swing in baseball. Last year, he was busted for PEDs, and he hit 10 home runs in 80 games. Really good stats outside of that in terms of while he was playing. K-rate, walk rate, all still real good for a 36-year-old. Now he's traded to the Mets, 
a team that's making a run for it right now. And then I'm going to go on and bring up the next guy because he's going to pick apart, and that's Rognet Odor with the Texas Rangers. He's just a pick later. So let me ask this. Between Cano and Odor, which one would you like to have? Cano, for sure. Yeah? I uh, I love Robinson Cano, man. It's awesome that you just said he has one of the sweetest swings because truly my favorite swing in baseball is Robinson Cano's. I I could, I could watch it all day. I just love it. There's something about those. Carlos Gonzalez was mine for quite a few years until recently. It's been sad to watch him, his career kind of go downhill the last few years. But Cano and Carlos Gonzalez, those are the two guys I've always loved. But yeah. I think at this point, though, after doing a little more digging on Odor, I'm not sure I'm taking Cano over him. I think I would go Odor just to try getting those extra steals in there. Odor had uh, 18 home runs and 12 steals, but the thing that really impressed me, he's always been a 3 to 5% K or walk rate the last few years. He jumped it all the way to 8% last year. And to see that and him to get his OBP up to 326, if, if this is the new Odor, I think I'd rather have him and take the 30, 30, 30 to 40 home runs plus steals. I uh, I thought you were a hit tool guy. I am a hit tool guy. <laughs> because let, let me just tell you this, Cano's hit tool is better than yours. <laughs> I think you know that. Uh, yes, I do. I do. But I think in this way, instance. Way better. I, way better. I'm not going to argue that one bit. But I think if I was looking at their stats, Cano's probably going to get a few more home runs in RBI. And runs, it's probably all going to be real close and ba- batting average. Oh, man. Now I'm sitting here rethinking this. Yeah, the only, to me, the only reason you would take Odor over Cano is just for the few steals that you may get. What did Odor get, 12? I mean, I don't know. 12 if last year. Yeah, I, I mean, he could get 12 to 15 maybe, but I don't know if that's worth everything else because I think Cano's more of a lock to hit like higher in the lineup and just have counting stats driven a little more, you know. And obviously a better average power may be close, but I don't know. I'm, I'll admit I have some Cano bias because I just I just love the guy. I love watching him, and part of me is going to die when he retires. So, Yeah, as I look at Odor, he's in a great ballpark still. Lining up around him is not bad. The previous two years before last year, he had 30 and 33 home runs and 14, 15 steals, and counting stats weren't bad. It's just the reason I was off of him because that walk rate. Maybe I should be waiting another year to see if he can continue keeping his walk rate in that 7 8% range before I buy in. But I think I'm more in on him than I have been in years past. Yeah, I, I will say I don't hate Odor there, really. I think it's it's fine. I just would take Kano ahead of him, I think. But, yeah, it's it's not bad. I don't, I've always kind of liked Odor, too. It's just... When I look at those two next to each other, I think the only edge that Odor has is steals, and I don't think he gets enough of them to make me to sway me off of Cano's bat. Here's probably what I'd say: This would be a team construction deal. If I drafted a Trey Turner, if I've got one of those burners early in the draft, I probably am taking Cano here. If I have not taken a burner and I'm not really liking where I'm at on steals and I need to get a few of those 15, 20 stolen base guys, 
or 15 steel guys, I'm probably taking Odor. So really, I'm I'm kind of torn on it. It probably just depend on what the rest of my team looked like up to this point. Yeah, that's fair. Number 13, Brian Dozier, who just signed a one-year contract to go play with the Washington Nationals. His batting average was brutal last year at hitting at 215. It was a it looked like this might be the beginning of the end for him. He gets a one-year deal to go play in a great situation in Washington, whether they re-sign Harper or not. Is this a guy who is on the wrong side of 30 at second base who may be falling apart or could this be a good buying opportunity for a rebound? I feel like in this spot, I can get behind him. I, it's, it's a good spot in the draft, and I, I don't mind Dozier here at all. I don't love him. I mean, I, I feel like he's the type of guy that, you know, is like banged up a little bit here and there, but, he's, but he plays, you know. He's, he's played a lot. So I can, get, I, I can see him going to Washington and having a good year, yeah, and especially where he's going. That's the other thing. I, I've never been huge on him in the past because he's gone hot. You know, he goes high in drafts or he has, you know, previous seasons, but this year, I mean, he's fallen to this spot. Now we're, we're around like pick one, what are we? 50. And yeah, 135, I guess that's round nine, nine pick 14 and a 15 team league. Yeah, that's, that's fine with me. I have no issues with that. I, I think he's going to provide, Good power for the position, and he'll chip in right around 10 steals, probably. Average, eh. But average, it, it, you know, it's it's hard to guess batting average. I wouldn't project him for a great one, but Nats are a good could, team. I could see him being a value here. I'm with you on that. That batting average was 215, and that was supported with a 240 BABIP, and Babip's not the be-all, end-all. That's where you want to look at the underlying skills. K-rate was the same. Walk rate was the exact same. His home run to fly ball rate was down 5%. He did lose a little bit off his line drive rate, but his hard hit rate was up. His soft hit rate was down just a bit, or at least I should say declined. But all of that shouldn't have swung to a 240 Babip and a 215 batting average So to where if I was guessing, I'd be putting him around 250 or so. Yeah. If he if he's doing that with an 11% K walk rate, and he's going to be hitting in a great part of that lineup, you would think their lineup right now, let's just say they're not re-signing Bryce Harper, I would think their lineup on opening day would be something like Eaton, Eaton and Trey at the top with Rendon Soto mixed in there in the 3-4 position, and then you've got Robles and Dozier, at the five, six part, wherever he's at in that mix, that's a really nice mix to bring in runners. Yeah. Right now they've shown him at, they show Dozier at six on roster resource. So yeah, I could see him hitting around there. I could also see with an injury or two, him hitting at the top of the lineup. So yeah, that would, be I huge. think he- that would be huge. But I, I think this is a guy, I think Dozier is one of those guys this year. He's either going to be a huge value or he's going to just break and be terrible. I, I think it's going to go extreme one way or the other. But I, yeah. I think I think I'm more I think I'm more in the camp that he's going to be a value. I, I I can get behind it here. This may be not fair to Dozier, 
But I remember saying the same thing about Ian Kinsler last year, and they ended up not having a rebound year. So I will, I will say this. I'm kind of the type of guy, when it gets to the ninth, tenth round and beyond, I feel like there's not a lot of bad picks to me. There's so many of those guys, when you even just get into the double-digit rounds and you look back on your draft, like just say a redraft league, you know, typical 23 starters, seven bench, you get to like round 11 and beyond. If you look back at that draft at the end of the year, how many of those guys from round 11 to round 30 that you held the whole season? It's not that many. There's a lot of those guys that cycle in and out and don't work out. And I think, I mean, Dozier's a guy that you're going to most likely have the whole year, obviously. He would have to be so brutal. But it's just, when there's when there's a spot, when it's this spot in the draft, if you like the guy, just take him. I, I don't feel like it's going to kill you either way. That's kind of what I'm saying. So. You're right, and the thing is, he's not. no matter what, if you take Dozier in the 10th, 11th round, he's not going to lose you your league. Right, yeah, that's that's the point, yeah. So our, thir- our 14th-ranked guy is going in the 11th round, and you have a great stat on him from last year that you shared on Baseball 365 about a month ago. Yoan Mankata, the floor is yours. Give us that stat. So last season, he had a... 235 batting average and a 344 batting average on balls in play. Which is, I mean, anybody who looks at this stuff knows that's that's just absolutely outrageous. Actually, the year before, he had a 231 average and a 325 batting average on balls in play. So it's it's rough. It's rough. The questions with his hit tool, it's, it's just tough. He strikes out a ton. But again, I will say, even having said that, and it's not a good thing going into what I'm about to say, but in this spot, if you believe in Mankata and think he can take a jump, I think it's fine here. It's round, you know, it's the middle of round 11. There's worse flyers for sure. Because if he figures it out, it's huge in this spot. It's huge. Take a drink. He's not my guy. <laughs> I will say th- that with the caveat of in a batting average league, in an on-base percentage league, I would take a chance because I think his floor is still 300 with, in the on-base department with it likely being 320 to 350 because he has always been good at taking walks, but the strikeouts have been a problem for pretty much the entire his entire career going back to 20 his first year in the minor leagues i remember i took him in the rotomaster startup dynasty a couple years ago because i was really into the tools that he had number one overall prospect and i learned a lesson there in terms of with these prospects if they get to the upper minors and they're still striking out at a 30 percent clip you might want to temper your expectations at least for those first two few years as they get into the bigs and you're right. It's not really a bad time to buy him in a dynasty league because the price should be dropped from where it was a year or two ago. And he could always figure it out. I remember Javi Baez looked absolutely lost, I think, in 2014 when he came up with the Cubs. But he kept working at it. And while his discipline's not much better, his elite bat speed, he's getting the bat on the ball at least at a 25% K rate. And Trevor's story was very similar to where 
you never know. He could turn it around and eventually be get that K rate down to 25%. And if, if he does, he's a superstar. He's a 30-30 candidate. He's got that kind of talent. So I do yeah. agree with you on the buying part for a dynasty. Yeah, I, I feel like here, just in the middle of the 11th round, it's it's more likely that he could blow up and be a huge value for you than it is that he's going to absolutely kill your team. Like in that spot in the draft, it's just, it's all about risk versus reward. That's what the whole, you know, the whole game is basically. And I don't feel like it's a huge risk where he's at. If he was going where he was going a couple years ago, it's completely different, but he isn't. A lot of people have soured on him and I can get behind him and, in both, in, in redraft and dynasty, just because he's just so much cheaper than he used to be, and he's young enough that it's hard to give it's hard to give up on a guy. I mean, he's twenty three years old. He's got a lot of speed, you know, like seventy grade speed. So it's tough, but in this spot, I, I don't I don't mind it at all. Yeah, that's, that said, that said, I I have I don't own him anywhere. I mean, I I haven't <laughs> I haven't gotten a, I haven't gotten a chance to get him in a redraft. I. I haven't gotten him in a dynasty because I wasn't buying him at that point, but maybe I should start looking into that. I don't know. It's probably a good thing to just send some feelers out to their owners and say, hey, what do you want from Mankata? Because they may come back and give you a much lower price than you're expecting to where it's like, okay. This is kind of like one of those guys, like I was saying with Baez, how, you know, I was saying like you don't want to buy those types when they peak but you want to when they're down. I view Moncada in that way similarly too, but he's just obviously on the other end of the spectrum right now than Baez is. His value is way down. And what, what'll happen is, is if this guy, you know, if he blows up, people buy him at that top. That's not what you want to do. You want to buy him now if you believe at all. So Mm-hmm. I guess that's the the best point of all because if he blows up and get, and starts going real high in drafts, that's that's not the time to do it. No nope. times times now if you want him. And man, if he ever clicked, I mean, if he got his K rate down to twenty five, twenty six percent, the guy could be a two eighty batting average with a on base percentage in the upper three hundreds. He could have twenty to twenty five home runs. 25 to 30 steals and be a first round pick. Yeah. That's capable. I I think this is a big year for him though, because I think this is a year where if he doesn't take a step forward and he continues to struggle, a lot of people are really going to sour on him. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a big, including the white Sox. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a, they have a lot of players that are on their way up this year. Eloy Jimenez is going to be up. There's a chance. Nick Madrigal. I was reading could be up this year and they're starting to try to, I think their window is not to win or contend is not opening right now. I mean, you never know, but their pieces are getting close to the big leagues to where I think this is the point where they're wanting to start to move, make some noise. They can't wait around forever on this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He'll have opportunity this year, but beyond that, if he keeps struggling, it we'll see. Cesar Hernandez comes in at 15. Cesar had 15 home runs and 19 steals. His walk rate was over 13%, but he's ranked all the way down here at 15th. As I 
read some news blurbs on him this morning. I noticed that there was a report out that he had a heel. I think it was a leg injury or heel injury last year. That was really affecting him. And I could see now why I was wondering why he was ranked this low. And he, in the second half last year, he hit 228 with five stolen bases, four caught stealing and seven home runs, which is all right. But I think maybe some people have soured on him. Now, after hearing about a heel injury, I'm starting to wonder if this is a guy that maybe now that he's healthy, he could rebound and get back to hitting in the mid to high 200s and with, you know, 15, 20 home runs or 15 home runs, 20 steals. That'd be pretty, that'd be a really nice player at this point. Yeah. I like Caesar where he's at. Just, I, I like a lot of these guys. I, I would take, yeah, I would take, uh, I would take Caesar here for sure. I've got one dynasty share and I've got, or I've had, you know, I've had redraft shares in the past and I I've always kind of liked, I feel like he's a little underrated. I think part of the problem with him in the past when they had like Kingery and JP Crawford and there was like these multiple pieces coming up and I didn't know if he was going to keep his job, but now I feel better about that. Yeah. He's pretty good. I mean, he's got a career OBP over 350, and you know, a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. So he's, he's solid. I gets on base, you know, walks it's he's solid player, nothing special, but he's not going to kill you here. There's no, that's the type of player you want hitting in your leadoff slot. And if he's doing that this year with Andrew McCutcheon behind him, um, Reese Hoskins. And I mean, everybody still thinks that Bryce Harper, the most likely situation for him to land into is Philadelphia. Let's say he's got that hitting right behind him uh, and him and Gene Sakura out there at the top. That's a dynamic lineup. And oh yeah, they also traded for JT real Muto dynamic yeah. lineup he could score yeah. over 100 runs there you know right now roster resource has mccutcheon leading off really? and, and caesar in the eight hole which is really weird to me but this is this is crazy so they have mccutcheon leading off segura two real muto three hoskins four nick williams five <laughs> i mean what why wouldn't they just put Caesar at the top and bump those guys down like Nick? Williams Did Ruben sucked. Amaro and Jerry Manuel just come back to go run the Phillies, or maybe they're running roster resource? Because that sounds like something from their playbook, not this current regime. Yeah, I mean, not that this is a lock. You know, obviously this can change, but this just seems off to me. I don't get why Nick Williams would hit five and Caesar Hernandez would hit eight. That, that's stupid. I hate to say it because I think he's an all right player, but Gene Zagura deserves to be at eight more than Cesar Hernandez does. I don't know <laughs> about that, but either either way, though, there's other guys that should be dropped. That's my point. Yeah, Cesar should not be hitting in an, in an eight hole with that walk rate. All right, moving on to another player that came off of a disappointing season, Jonathan Scope, going in the 13th round. Had a 233 batting average and a 3.8% walk rate last year. He's never been much of a walker, but last year was pretty brutal. Sometimes the impatient hitters lose it early. Do you think that's the case here with a guy like Scope, or is this a guy who you'd be investing in at this point just hoping for a rebound? I'm not really on Scope. The hard contact is way down. He doesn't run at all, obviously. I mean, the average is... Yuck. 
I mean, it, it was 293 the year before, but I last year was 233. It's probably going to fall somewhere in between there, but I, I think it's he's more, he's closer to the low end of that than the high end. Nah, pass for me. No steals. It's tough when it's tough when you have a guy at middle infield that gets you no steals. They have to have they have to be a good hitter to me, and I just I don't really think Jonathan Scope's a good hitter. I don't like it. I don't like the the environment with the Twins either. I could just see it sapping him even more and doesn't walk strikes out a lot and eh, i just there's just not much to like i don't really like him i'm with you i said at the top when we were talking about bias i don't like guys that don't walk and this is a guy who's never walked k rates over 20 percent it's always felt like that ah, this guy it could fall apart for any time now and last year fell apart and he could rebound he could hit 240 250 again and get 20-plus home runs and be okay, but... Do you remember how high he was going, like, a year or two ago? Oh I think he was, like, a fourth God. or fifth rounder, wasn't he? I remember cringing every time he went in all those drafts, too. I always cringe Because the thing was, was I remember, I liked Scope before that. I remember liking him at way, you know couple years before that probably so when he was when you're he saying was you were a scope hipster yeah right. you liked him before it was cool to like before him. it was cool right right yeah <laughs> yeah no uh but then you know he, he kind of took off but it was it just went way to the extreme it was like now he's going in the like you said fourth fifth round and i just remember whoa like what is going on here and now we're back at pick 178, and it's like, if you actually do want to take him now, I don't really have too much of an issue with it, because all these guys now, it's like, whatever, but I, he's just not my guy, like my type of guy. Yeah, I want to say, I think there's a big drop-off after 15. As we're getting ready to go through yeah. these guys down below, there are not many of these guys that I want to roster. Correct. I see yeah. the top 15 is a lot of guys who I like, and it's ugly after this, in my opinion. Uh, it's not a position I want to wait on. And if I'm looking I, for a middle infield option, I'm usually going to the shortstop side. Number 17, Joey Wendell with the Tampa Bay Rays. Another late bloomer had a 300 batting average with seven home runs and 16 steals. I actually owned him in one of my dynasty leagues. I picked him up as I saw the hot start going on. It was a nice to, player to have as a, as a middle infield option, a backup because it was a daily league. The K rate was nice. The walk rate was okay in terms of K rate was under 20%, but he still had a 353 BABIP going on to where that 300 batting average, I'm not sure that thing's legit. 46% ground ball rates, it's okay, but it's on the high end. I just, I see this player and I see regression coming personally. I would not be projecting for a repeat. I'd be, instead of a stepping stone, I would be thinking of this is a, this is a, possibly his best year and it goes backwards yeah i agree with you i think uh brandon lau is better and he's there i don't know exactly how that's all going to shake out at the moment i'm not a wendell guy there's there's other guys i'd just i'd rather take shots on later and before it's just nah pass for me yeah brandon lau is a guy we'll get into here in a little bit because I'm pre- I, I know we both like him. 
Yeah, I could easily see a situation where that guy's starting at the middle of the year and Wendell's yeah, the super too. utility guy playing a, a bunch of positions. Yep, agree. Okay, well, in that case, we'll move on to a Gur- another Guriel, Lourdes Guriel with the Toronto Blue Jays. Do we hate him with a Yuli Guriel sort of passion? <laughs> no. No, but no, but not that's a that's a small group. <laughs> He's just whatever to me, though. I mean, I I remember thinking kind of before he came over that he was. I thought he was supposed to kind of be a little more than he's been, and then kind of quickly figured out that he's not. But it looks like he's going to play at least for a little bit. He just he never ever walks. I think he had nine walks last year, was it? I, I thought I read. I It might be more than that, actually. But No, yeah, nine walks. No, that sounds right. A 3% walk yeah. rate and 263 yeah. play appearances. It's just, yeah, it's it's ugly. I, I don't really like him too much. He is only 25. You never know. But there's not much speed. And I just, I don't see what stands, like nothing stands out to me. It's just blah. Yeah, 53% medium contact rate, not the th- hard hit rate was 30%. For him if for him to have that kind of K and walk rate, he needs to have a much higher hard hit rate. 17% home run to fly ball. I could, I don't see that in him. The other so, thing the other thing is with him is I wonder if he isn't producing how quickly he's going to be replaced. I Mhm. Because you know who's coming, you know, it's, they've got, well, they've got Devin Travis and then they've got Bo. So it just, I kind of feel like, I mean, they signed Galvis too. So it's right now they've got Guriel and Galvis slated to start Travis off the bench. And then Bo is obviously pretty close. So I just kind of wonder, I mean, there's only two spots there too, you know, cause Vlad's going to come up and play third. And I just wonder how long Guriel's even going to hang on to that? I mean, if he gets off to a hot start, he could for a little longer than you think, but I don't think he's really any better than any of those guys. No, definitely he's not, definitely not to, better than Bo, obviously. But He is going to have to improve his ratios or have some real good luck to hold on to that job, one of those middle infield jobs, because Bo is coming. There's a good chance Bo's up this year, if not early next year at the absolute latest. And... There are other guys coming too. There, there's a wave of Toronto Blue Jays infielders coming that all have quite a bit of excitement around him. And Guriel, well, we'll just see. It may be off to the races to see which one of the Guriels can lose their job first. It's tough. There's, it's kind of a little bit of a logjam there. Even though the options aren't all great, I mean, yeah, it's it. He could lose the job. I feel like I just don't really like him. Well, with another guy who I don't really like much is Keitel Marte with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's got second base and shortstop eligibility. And the GM did say in January that Marte's, they're planning on playing him in center field. He could be have three position eligibility, but he hit 14 home runs and six steals in 153 games last year. Not much here to, that really excites me. 580 plate appearances, 68 runs, 59 RBI. This feels like another one of those where it's a situation where he could get your positions to play in, but 
I don't really get too excited about many of these counting stats personally. There, I've heard people say that they're real big on him this year. Are you one of those people? I wouldn't say I'm really big on him. I, I think he's fine here, though. I like him. I like him more than uh, Wendell and Guriel for sure. Possibly Scope. He made improvements in the second half last year. His WRC plus in the second half was 126, which is really good. But yeah, he's nothing special, you know. It's he's just one of those guys down here that if you're if you're kind of stuck, I don't I don't really mind him as a as a flyer in this spot. But I mean, he's not. It's not like he's overly exciting or anything like that. That I can agree with you. What you saying? The scope, Wendell Guriel, not wanting him over those guys. I could get behind that. Yeah. This goes back to the point I said about ten fifteen minutes ago in this podcast, which is. You want to have a second baseman before you get to the slot. And, you know, if you want to plug him at middle infield, he's all right here. But yeah, I could see I could see him being like a 15-10 guy with good batting average. And I, I don't think that's horrible here. I'd, he'll be dual eligible middle infield. So Next up, free agent Marwin Gonzalez. When I read about him, honestly, I felt the same way about him as I do Marte. It's like. Yeah, we're gonna. But, yeah, he, we would name him on every one of these. He's in every single. <laughs> he's, he's in every position. Yeah, and, and I, that's I'll the just, other nice part about him. Yeah, and I'll just say this: I don't think he's good. So I, you could say what you want, but I think we already kind of covered him. I'm not sure we actually talked about him yet. I can't remember for sure, but either way, grand scheme of things, I kind of feel the same way about him as I do yeah. with Marte in terms of he's fine to plug in at a. Middle infield slot, but not something I would want. Yeah. Unless you're in a daily league, then he actually is much more valuable because you can plug him around in a lot of slots. Draft and hold, he's not bad because he's so eligible, but that's Mm -hmm. that's really it. And we're going off of NFBC rankings, which has got a lot of draft and hold. So we did say this when we mentioned him before. That might be why he's pushed up. So, yeah. Now we at 21, we actually do have an interesting name here, a guy that uh, is a sexy name going into drafts this year, Nick Senzel with the Reds. Everybody thought he was going to be up last year, but unfortunately he was dealing with bouts of vertigo and only had 44 games go in last year. Now he's getting looks in center field. I hear that that's where they're planning on playing him this year, what possibly opening day. If not, if he's healthy, I would think it's going to be not too far after that. People are worried about the health. I've heard that discussed a lot on Baseball 365. But this is a guy who has oodles of potential. He's one of those guys that was, a couple years ago, the pretty clear number one pick in subdrafts. I heard a lot of Alex Bregman comps at that time. If he can just stay healthy, this is a guy with a lot of potential. I like the idea of taking him at the end of a draft as you get to the late rounds and that's the guy that could hit if he gets up early and starts playing well. Is this somebody you're investing in this year? Yeah, I think I think if you can stash him, it's not a bad stash. He he can hit, obviously. I mean, he's he's hitting the minors. He should. I expect him when he does get called up to play well. I don't think he's the type that is going to come up and be bad. I I just I think he'll be solid. But yeah, in a redraft. If you've got a spot to stash him, sure. You know, it's it's fine. It's just 
I don't know if there's any kind of confirmation of when he's going to be up and any of the talk now when they say coming up and stuff. I don't really know how much of it I believe. We'll we'll see, you know. Yeah, we will see. They've made a lot of moves that seem like they want to try winning now. So I think they would love to get him up personally early in the year, possibly even in mid-April or even opening day. I think it'd be smart for them to wait for mid-April under the rules as they are. But I have a feeling he's up early as long as he's healthy and and he's hitting the ball. So I'm in on him. That's a player who if I would love to get as a last one of my last starters in a redraft league if possible. Yeah. Number 22, DJ LeMahieu, who just left Colorado to go sign with the Yankees, signed a two-year deal there. He definitely has playing time in the early part of the year with Didi Gregorius out for the year, or I'm sorry, out for the first half. After that, it's going to be hard to see, hard to know what's going to happen to him as when there's going to be a logjam when Didi returns, as they've got Andujar at third, and, and then they have DJ LeMahieu, Glaber Torres, and Didi Gregorius, all his middle infield options. So I'm nervous about this guy personally in terms of he already was a pretty vanilla hitter. I I almost look at him as like a second-base version of our, our favorite, Yuli Gurriel here, as compared to being out, outside of Colorado, a guy who hits for batting average but doesn't provide too much in the home runner steal department. This is a pass for me. Yeah, I... I just don't know. I don't even know if his lineup spot is. I mean, I know people are going to laugh, but Tulo's there too, you know. So there's. I don't know even know who's going to start. I mean, I'm, obviously Glaber's going to, and then Tulo and Lemayhew. I mean, they're both probably going to play some, and then when DD comes back, it's more of a mess. I such a weird signing, like that they signed Tulo and him. It. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think that was so weird because. Obviously, Glaber's a fixture, and Andujar's a fixture at third, and you really need Tulo and LeMahieu when you have Didi coming back in a few months. I thought that was strange, really weird. So I, don't, like I just don't know how much he's going to play is all. I, I, I think LeMahieu's an okay hitter. Like you said, he's nothing special, but if he's not playing, then what's it, you know, what's it matter? And yeah, he is, he's kind of vanilla anyways, so... Now that he's outside of Colorado, I could probably get my daughter to go to sleep watching her his highlights too. Yeah. So if things ever go south with the Yuli Gurriel highlights, I guess I have DJ LeMahieu as a fallback. Yeah. So yeah, he's 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 kind of boring for sure. So number twenty three, Jed Lowry, who had a career high twenty three home runs in twenty eighteen, and now he's with the Mets. So. I'm not even sure. Do you know where they have him slated to play this year? I think the last I saw, I'll pull it up, but I think the last time I saw they had him at third base. Mm. So he would have some, uh, he have some eligibility, you know, if he's, I would assume they'll probably move him around, but some of that was uh, before, I think, didn't they sign him before they signed Cano? Yeah, they did. Or before, was early. They, before they traded for Cano, I mean. Uh, yeah, I they think have so. Him, they have him at third. They have him at third. They have Cano at second at the moment. There's a lot to be worried about because Todd Frazier is still there as a veteran presence, too. And I think he can still play over there at third base also. And if Peter Alonso comes up and is hitting, they might have to figure out who to play between Frazier and 
Lowry, which I think Lowry's the better player, but it's not it's not a guarantee that he would get the playing time over him. So this is a guy who has a lot of flags in terms of things could go wrong. He's coming off of a career year that high home runs there in Oakland. He does hit the ball hard, but I don't know. This is another one of those to where I guess you're taking him late in the draft and maybe it's worth the flyer, but I haven't I don't think I'm gonna be taking him in any redraft or auctions. Yeah, I don't think Todd Frazier is anything. I think Jed Lowry's way better than Todd Frazier at this point. Mm-hmm. I I think he's fine. I, I think Lowry's kinda underrated, actually, like where he's at and he can he's pretty good hitter and but way better than Frazier. Like Frazier to me is just junk at this like total junk at this point. So I think he'll play second, third, whatever. Like I said, they have him slated at third now, but but yeah, I mean he walks some and he's fine. He's he's an all right little player, especially this far down. I don't think it's a problem at all. Next up, we have a Drupal Cabrera at twenty four. You know what? Azdrubal Cabrera is a guy nobody seems to want to own. He's a solid player, in my opinion, in terms of you can usually count on 20 to 25 home runs out of that guy the last few years. He's got some incredible eligibility at second, short, and third. I did buy him in a draft and hold league, and I'm excited to have him with that three-position eligibility. And I did do that before he signed with Texas. Now he's going somewhere where... They don't really have anybody else to play at third because Joey Gallo said he does not want to play third anymore. I think this is a good value here late in the draft if you've really waited on second base. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I I did the same thing. I got him in my draft and hold, I want to say, like around round 20 before he signed with Texas. But, yeah, he hits hits right-handed pitching, which is – it's big, you know, because obviously that's the that's the side of the platoon that you want to be hitting. So it's he hits right-handed pitching, and you know he's not great, but he's not bad. I, I think he's fine. He was actually top fifty in the majors in WRC plus against right-handed pitchers. So it's pretty good, really. I mean, he's ahead of some good names, higher than Charlie Blackman, Eddie Rosario. Nick Markakis, he can definitely get righties. This will be the best ballpark he's ever played in. He's been in New York, Tampa, Cleveland. That's where he's been his career. Going to Texas, that's a nice ballpark. It's where, yeah, I'm in on that guy. Yep. All right, next up at 25 is Nico Gundrum. We already talked about him, so I'm not going to spend too much time talking about him. We've already discussed him. Number 26 through 30, I'm just going to list off, and I want you to tell me if there's any of these guys that interest you. we got Texas Rangers, Isaiah Keener-Falifa at 26. 27, Starling Castro. 28, Kike Hernandez with the Dodgers. 29, Adam Frazier. And 30 is Jeff McNeil. I look at this list and I say, gross. Do you any of these guys interest you? Frazier and McNeil are okay. Uh, I don't know. The only thing with... I think Frazier's going to play. Uh, the only thing with McNeil is how the playing time will shake down. I actually, mm-hmm. I actually saw they they had a thing where they showed he was going to play some left, left field. So that's kind of interesting. But I mean, I just I think he's they're both decent hitters, but it's it's nothing special. 
Well, I just want to list a couple interesting names after the after 30 because there are a, a couple of them. Luis Urias with the San Diego Padres came up and didn't have a great start off to his career, but he's a guy who's been a hit tool guy, but maybe we don't know about the how he's going to do with the counting stats. Keston here is at 34. That's an interesting guy. And Franklin Barreto all the way down there at 40. And I did we did get a Facebook question on him from Frankie, Frankie Tim, Trimblett which is what are your thoughts on Barreto? And I want to talk about this guy because I own him in both dynasty leagues. Barreto, going back a couple years ago, I made a mistake of drafting in my dynasty league by position. And I missed out on, I was drafting a lot of prospects and I missed out on the elite ones. And I thought, okay, I'll get myself Barreto here. And that was for starters, I learned a valuable lesson in dynasty leagues and startups. You don't draft by position, and we'll talk more about that down the line. But it has not been pretty for Barreto for the last few years. Since I took him in that 2017 startup dynasty, there has not been a single stop, majors or minors, where he's had a strikeout rate below 27%, and his walk rate has not been good either. And he had a, it was better in 2018 in AAA and for Oakland with an 11% rate, but that still came up with a 31% strikeout rate. And this is in the PCL where Oakland plays. This is a guy who is going to have to make some major discipline changes before I think he could get every day at bats in the big leagues. I think Oakland this year, he's going to be one of their utility guys who's moving around positions. I think they're getting him looks in the outfield. He knows how to play second and short. So maybe he's a utility guy for now because Oakland is a team that's winning. But long-term, he's going to have to change his approach and his if he wants to stick and get himself a starting gig ever. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not really too big on Barreto. I just don't have that strong of opinions on him because I just I don't really even know if they have plans to get him into the lineup immediately. It's, it feels like it's just starting to become fatigue with him. I mean, mm-hmm. Simeon's, at, Simeon's at short. They just got pro far. I don't really see where he's going to play. I just – and if, I feel like it's been that way. I feel like he should have been up and starting, you know, a while back, at least according to the thought that everyone had of him as a prospect. And it, now it's just it's, – it's just kind of like you get worn thin when you think too long about these guys that are close. And he, he's felt close for like a year and a half to two years. Yes. It's just, when are we going to see him? It, I don't, it's crazy. It's kind of frustrating. So, I mean, really. I moved off there. Keston Hira, we didn't really talk about him too much there in terms of him as a player and when we think he'll be up. With Shaw moving to second, when, let's just say everybody's staying healthy. Do we see Hira this year even? I think worst case we'll see him in September and like for the playoffs. I think they'll have him up then. And yeah, any big injury between, you know, Moose or Shaw, I could see him up. Mm-hmm. If somebody's, you know, struggling struggling horribly, I could see it. You know, it, and it could also involve Aguilar if something happened with him because one of those guys could move to first and then Hira comes in, so I, I was hoping we would see him earlier because mm-hmm. before this Mustakis thing, I was thinking that his only competition was Corey Span- Spangenberg. So it was like, well, he's going to be up 
as soon as they want him to be. But now it's a little more muddled. So, yeah, it felt like Nate Lowe with the with the Rays in terms of they've just got a placeholder for about a month or two, Nate, until, and then they're going to bring him up. It could be a situation though, too. I don't know this. I mean, I haven't read this, but it's just my own speculation. It could be a situation too where maybe they just don't think he's quite ready, and they wanted to make sure that they had you know those spots locked down until they feel completely comfortable with it, which may not be till 2020. I don't know. You know it's, that's on them. So At 42, the guy who we're not even 100% certain is going to be on the Major League roster opening day is Brandon Lau. I know you're a big fan. I'm a big fan. Why don't you just tell me, why don't you tell me what you see in Lau? Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan. I, I just, when I look at Wendell out there, I just, I think, I think Lau just has a little more offensive upside. He was really good last year. Really good. 297, 391, you know, 391 OBP, OPS 950. In the minors, you know, almost 400 at bats. So Tampa doesn't really have like a guy that's gonna block him. I feel like, like you know, what's Wendell gonna block him? I mean, he's he had 28 homers and 10 steals between the minors and majors last year. That's really good. Yeah, and and a, and a good OBP. You know, so that's the thing. He he can walk at a 10 percent rate, and for the Rays, he only hit 233. But that was still with a on-base percentage of 324 because of that 10.8% walk rate. The guy knows how to take a walk to where he could strike out 25% of the time and still hit maybe in the 250 range and have a 350 on-base percentage. That's a valuable player, especially yeah. if it's a 20 to 25 home runs and maybe 10 steals. So some of some of it is just what's ahead of him too. It's just his path to playing time is not blocked. So it really is mm-hmm. just, you never exactly know with the Rays, but it, when they let him take the job and run with it, you know, that's pretty much pretty much all it is with him, at least in a redraft league. Okay. I'm going to, there was one, go I ahead. Was gonna, I was going to mention one. I, I think Kipnis and Kinsler can be values. They're both outside of the top 30. And I, they're both going to start. I just, I'm not saying that they're great, but they're too far down, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree with them being guys that you could take a chance on late in the draft. I yeah. mean, Kipnis specifically, in a full season, had 18 homers and seven steals. And he only hit 230, but he still was walking at a real good rate. And that was, again, with a really low batting average on balls in play. But on that note, it was also really low the year before. So trying to pull up his contact rates right now. Uh, I don't see anything alarming here. He does flat hit the ball in the air a decent amount, so maybe that's part of the reason his batting average is low. But, yeah, there's nothing too alarming here as I look at it to where I could get on board with him. Kinsler, uh, Kinsler's hard contact dropped off last year, but one thing I will say is he's just one year removed from 22 homers and 14 steals, and he had 16 steals last year. Mm-hmm. So. It's not, I mean, we're talking bottom of the barrel guys, but I feel like those guys just on playing time alone will probably outproduce that spot. I could see it with Kinsler. I still don't see myself taking him just because of the fact that he's in San Diego. I 
worry about counting stats in a ballpark. I also get it, and he could easily earn that value back or earn more than what he's his price is right now. The last Facebook question I wanted to ask came from Chris Winder, and that is, uh, who plays second base for the Angels this year, and who is it long term? And I hadn't really even thought about that that position, and even looked to see who their options are. It's not pretty for a team that's trying to win right now. David Fletcher is that really their starting second baseman right now? Yeah, that's what they have listed. It's oh my word. They've got um, they've got Rengifo in the minors. And I think he played. I think he played a lot of short last year too, short and second. He he's got a little bit of of intrigue. There's some people that have been talking about him because he he stole 41 bases last year in the minors. So there's there's definitely some interest. I mean he's he's more exciting than Fletcher. You know, Fletcher can hit okay, but he's nothing special at all. I mean he's just he's just a guy until they have somebody else is ready. You know, it's just kind of one of those things. Oh wow, Rengifo's interesting. One thing I will say. To anybody out there that owns Rengifo that is just looking at the 41 steals, I've read that his speed is more like a 55, like just above average. And it was just more situational stuff to where it's not like he's a burner, basically. So don't expect him to come up and just steal 40 bases is kind of the I, – I read that in a couple spots, reliable uh, – spots that I, you know, places I trust. And I just don't, I don't think that that's going to, that's going to replicate in the majors, but that said, he's more exciting than David Fletcher. So there should be a point you would think where he would be up, but it's hard to kind of know. I always feel like these guessing games with when teams are going to call guys up is just, just, just an example. But like last year with, with Vlad, everybody thought he was going to be up and then he wasn't all year. And and it wasn't like he wasn't crushing. And then Juan Soto comes up from low A. You know, it's just, it's weird stuff. I feel like no matter how much you know or pay attention or listen to or read, you don't actually know. A lot of this stuff is just moving parts and situational, and it's kind of tough to predict. It'll be interesting to see what happens with them. I still could see them going out there and grabbing somebody out there in free agency or making a trade before the year starts even. So, yeah, yeah, they could. We'll they, they definitely, definitely don't have an ideal situation at, at that position. Okay. Well, for me, this puts a bow on second base. Do you have any final players you want to discuss before we close this out? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it, even the ones beyond the top 30. The only, like, the later on guys, it'd just be draft and hold. I, I, kind of have interest in the multi-eligible guys, but they're nothing special, you know, like guys like Hernan Perez and Yairo Munoz and stuff like that. But it's more, uh, it's more like deep for draft and holds because you could just plug them anywhere. Hernan Perez. That's a guy who holds a special place in my heart. I had him for that breakout year yeah. where he hit 14 yeah. homers and 34 steals. I think I have that memorized. I'm pretty sure yeah. I'm right on that. <laughs> yeah. I, I had him that year too. I, I, I feel the same way, man. I, I like Hernan Perez always just because of that one year. <laughs> he was mm-hmm. gold. He was gold that year. He was like it, multi-eligible. 
and had some pop and was still just running like crazy too. He he was fun to own for sure. If he if that guy could just have three percent more on his walk rate, I don't know exactly what it is, but if he could just add that, he's a he's a starting player. But I think that's really his big bugaboo is he doesn't walk enough. Yeah. But either way, again, for a guy who has a bunch of position eligibility, it's still a very handy thing to have. He'll he'll get at bats working around all over the field in that team. Yep. Yeah, he will. Okay. For sure. Well, that was fun discussing second base. I think the theme that we got from that is try to grab somebody in the top 15 if you can. Don't let this be a position you wait too far on. And if any of you are asking about Garrett Hampson, he's not technically second base eligible yet, so we didn't talk about him here. We will talk on him whenever talk about him when we get to the shortstops. But oh, I think we, we, I think we'll probably have a 30-minute segment so laid out for him, right? Yeah, we, we will definitely talk about Garrett Hampson. Okay. Well, this is the point where we closed out the show. In the last two shows, I've made a lot of plugs, but we took more money out of our Baseball 365 podcast budget and got ourselves a professional to do our closeout. So I'm not going to have to do any of those plugs this time around. The only thing I do want to add, though, is for any of you who are asking about iTunes, we're not quite yet on iTunes. Heck, by the time you listen to this, we might be. It usually takes, after a first episode, it usually takes a few days up to a week to get up. So hopefully by the time we're posting this, we're already on iTunes. But if we're not yet, just be patient. We're sitting there checking. I know I'm checking probably five to ten times a day on iTunes to see if we're up there yet. And it's not there yet, but it should be there shortly. So, Andrew, is there anything else you'd like to talk about or plug before we get out of here? No, not really. Just uh, we're about five rounds in in Roto Masters 3 and the Dynasty 20-team Dynasty startup that we've got going. So that's fun. And not too much else. We'll be, uh, we'll be back for the shortstop podcast soon here. We, we're talking about doing possibly a uh, first-year player draft podcast. So be on the lookout for that. I don't know if we'll do it before we do shortstops or after, but probably do it soon and just talk about some of the first-year player draft guys in Dynasty Leagues and who we took. And I'm kind of working on an ADP with a few different uh, leagues that I have. So just, just be on the lookout for that if it's something that interests you. Yeah, I think that's a great conversation as most people are getting their subdrafts started right about now. I personally think it's a good idea to go on and get that one out. So I think hopefully we could take my sub draft or for Roto Masters 2. And I think you've got Roto Masters 1 and at least one or two others that you could possibly put into a list here. And we could just talk about the ADP of those guys. And yeah. you can see what other people are, where, where around people are going in these drafts. So hopefully yeah. we can get that out here this week. So yeah. that'll be kind a good of- one kind of working on that adp for that hopefully here in the next few days we might be able to do that that should be good okay well at this point i'll just kick it over to my wife who will take us to the close take care everybody thanks again for listening to the baseball 365 podcast with justin hughes and andrew mcquiston be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode along with quick links to facebook and twitter If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. 
And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Thank you.